and uh, Corey contacted me yesterday afternoon and wanted to know if I could fill in this morning. And um, so I came up with when you're looking for a new start, and uh, they're going to be similar, but they'll be very different yet. So I would just sit back and relax, and let's see where we head out. So this morning I wanted to ask you, do you know that every person that we meet is going through something? Every person we meet is dealing with or facing some difficulty. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I know that it's easy to talk about God's sovereignty and goodness when things are going well, when things are good. It's far more difficult to trust God in the hard times. Now, how many of you recognize the name Corey Ten Boom? Got a few of you out there. Yeah, I remember Corey Ten Boom. She wrote In My Father's House, uh, A Hiding Place, a number of other books. Her and her family had hid uh, some Jewish folks for many years until the Germans discovered what was going on and arrested them. And Corey Ten Boom and all of her family were taken to a concentration camp, and they all died except for Corey. And she was eventually set free due to a clerical error. And uh, she spent the rest of her life traveling around the world talking about forgiveness and God's goodness. And uh, one time she was visiting with a movie director, James Collier. And he said to her, Corey, hasn't God been good to give you this beautiful house? Because she had wandered around for about 35 years and didn't really have a permanent residence. And some friends of hers had given her a house in California. And he said, isn't, it, isn't God good to give you this beautiful house? And she replied, Jimmy, God was good when I was in the concentration camp too. And so, you know, I know in my life it's easy for me to thank God when things are going great. It's a little more difficult when things are, are not going as well as I'd like. But in Corey's life and all that she'd been through, she said, Jimmy, God was good all the time. And that's what we need to hang on to. God is good all the time, despite what's going on in our lives. So today we're going to look at a passage of scripture and Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, one of the things that we have to recognize is that every miracle that Jesus did, at least from what I read, was an interruption. Every miracle that he did was an interruption. It wasn't really a planned thing at all. As he was on his way, he encountered people who were in need. And if you remember, if you read the scripture, oftentimes the disciples would say to people, oh, don't bother Jesus, he's busy, he doesn't have time for you. But every miracle was an interruption. And every time Jesus was interrupted, he took time, oftentimes one-on-one, -on -one to minister to those who are in need. So today we're going to look at a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. He couldn't work, he couldn't read, he couldn't write. There were no seeing eye dogs in those days. He spent his life begging for his existence. He was dependent on the pity and care of other people. And so in the beginning of our story, Bartimaeus uh, was blindly sitting beside the road. And when we get to the end of our passage, Bartimaeus was joyfully following Jesus down the road. So let's read Mark 10, beginning in verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. See, there's an interruption. Jesus was on his way. He heard this man calling out to him, and he stopped. An interruption in his plans, but Jesus stopped, and he said, Tell him to come here. See, all the folks around Jesus were in a hurry to go wherever they were going and told him to shut up and be quiet, not to bother Jesus. Jesus said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. You know, as I read that passage, I thought how, how ironic it is that the nation of Israel was blind to the presence of the Messiah, but a blind Jew could see Jesus. Is that ironic? The nation of Israel was blind to the presence of the Messiah, but a blind Jew could see Jesus. In Psalm 145, it says, The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. In other words, God gives a new start to us when we choose to follow him. So this morning, as we talk about when I'm looking for a new start, there are five points I want to make quickly. When we're looking for a new start, the first point is this, seize the moment. Seize the moment. It's a good thing that Bartimaeus sought the Lord that day because Jesus never passed that way again. He was on his last journey to Jerusalem. If Bartimaeus hadn't seized the moment, it may have never come to him again. So when the moment comes, and we recognize that the moment is at hand. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. It's not next week or next year. Now is the time to seize the moment. Bartimaeus had this moment in his life. See, when he woke up that morning, he thought, this is just going to be another day. I'm going to sit beside the road, and I'm going to beg for people to help me so that I can continue to exist. He had no idea that Jesus was going to pass by his way that day. No idea. He heard about it as it was happening. As he was sitting there, he was blind, and he heard about it as he, it was happening. He had no plan. He had no preparation, but the opportunity came, and he seized the moment. When the opportunity comes for you and me, we need to seize the moment. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When, then, see, he seized the moment. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This wasn't planned. It just happened, and Bartimaeus knew enough to seize the moment. There are God-given opportunities all around us. And if we're not attuned to what God is doing, we will miss 
those opportunities, those moments. Ask yourself, what step of faith, what step of trust can I take right now, this moment? What nudgings have been has have God has God been putting in your life? What in what ways have you felt like I ought to go and do this? I ought to take this opportunity. Where are those steps of faith in your life that God is presenting to you? I would encourage you if you have a moment, seize it. This man had this one moment in life to seize the opportunity to be able to see, and he took it. It can be scary, and we're going to talk about our fears here in just a moment. It can be scary to seize that moment. An author, Eugene Peterson, said this, No procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Seize the day. So the first step in a new start is to seize the moment that's before you. Secondly... We have to break out of our fear. We have to break out of our fear. Every one of us faces fears. You know, when Corey texted me yesterday afternoon and asked me if I'd be willing to, uh, able to speak this morning, for, for a moment there's this little bit of fear that pops up. I said, oh my, this is very short notice. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, I think I'll tell Corey no, you know. Those little fears, every time something presents itself, fears pop up, and we have to overcome or break out of our fear. Any change, any seizing of the moment brings about fear, and fear has the ability to paralyze us. If Bartimaeus had listened to the townspeople or the folks who were walking with Jesus, he would have shut up out of fear of what these people might say to him or do to him. That, you know, what is one of our biggest fears? As I was thinking about preparing for this morning, I'm thinking, man, what if I'm not well prepared enough and I sound like a dipstick up here on Sunday morning, you know? It wouldn't be the first time I sounded like a dipstick on Sunday morning. But I don't, and I don't like to sound like a dipstick on Sunday morning. But once in a while it happens. But one of the biggest fears that you and I have is what other people will think of us, right? That's one of our biggest fears. We have a fear of disapproval. We have a fear of rejection by friends, family, or others. Bartimaeus wasn't doing the easy thing that day. He wasn't doing the easy thing. I'm pretty sure he had some fear. He's been blind his whole life. He's begged for, for subsistence uh, to, get, to get along in the world. People looked down upon him. They mistreated him. He was a nobody, and yet all of a sudden he hears that Jesus is nearby, and he calls out to Jesus. I'm sure he had to have some fear. Obviously, it played out. The people around him told him to be quiet, didn't they? said, shh, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Quiet down. Don't bother Jesus. I'm sure he had fear, but he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And as they told him to quiet down, he yelled all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The folks are saying, Bartimaeus, don't make a scene. Don't embarrass and humiliate yourself. 
Don't bother Jesus. He's not interested in you. He has no time for you. He's a busy man. When we hear that, when we hear that Jesus has no time for us, when we hear that Jesus isn't interested in us, I want you to remember that that is a lie. Because in fact, the exact opposite is true. The exact opposite of true. Jesus said, tell him to come to me. Jesus said in another place, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, all of you, come to me. It isn't that he's not interested and he doesn't have time. He is interested. He does have time. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to run to him. And when we see Jesus at work in the world, let's run to him. That's what he wants us to do. Run to him. He has time for you. He has an interest in you. He wants the best for you. In Proverbs 29, it says this. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. See, if Bartimaeus had given in to the fear, he wouldn't have gotten healed. He would have spent the remainder of his life on the side of the road begging for people to help him. I, I don't want to burst your bubble this morning. But I'm going to share something with you that might surprise you. And it's something that we have to bear in mind. We would not be nearly as concerned about what people think about us if we realize how little people actually think about us. Have you ever thought that? We would not be nearly as concerned about what other people are thinking about us if we realized how little other people are thinking about us. You know, if you see a, a, a let's say you see a class, uh, class picture in a yearbook, who's the first person you look for? Yourself. When you see a class picture in a yearbook or you see a picture of a bunch of people and you know you're in the picture, the first person you look for is yourself. So most people aren't thinking about you or me. Who are most people thinking about? Most people are thinking about themselves. That's exactly right. So I would say to you this morning, let, as, you, as, if, as there's a crowd around you saying Jesus doesn't have time for you, I would say to you, let the promise of hope drown out the pressure of the crowd. Let the promise of hope drown out the pressure of the crowd. I know uh, we have a son and daughter-in-law who are embarking on a new adventure. They both left their positions in, in uh, the school system and they're embarking on uh, an adventure. And there have been some naysayers along the way, and, I, and I, they, have to, they have to just keep themselves focused, and they have to let the, let the promise of the hope drown out the pressure of the crowd, or they'd give up. Bartimaeus, if he had let the pressure of the crowd keep him from his healing, he, he would still be blind. Let the promise of hope 
drown out the pressure of the crowd. The third thing we do when we want a new start is we have to proclaim our faith. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Jesus often posed a question to people. Remember when Peter had denied Jesus three times and, and then in John chapter 21, they got back together. What did Jesus do to poor Peter? Three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew the answer to these questions. See, it wasn't that Jesus didn't know that Bartimaeus wanted his sight. It, didn't, Jesus, it wasn't that Jesus didn't know that Peter loved him. He knew D Peter had beat himself up. He had a great deal of disappointment in himself. But Jesus gave these questions to Peter and Bartimaeus and to others for their benefit, not his. He knew the answer. It was for their benefit. When God leaves you and me with questions he already knows the answer. The questions are for our benefit. God wants us to have the opportunity to work out our faith. God wants us to have the opportunity to express our faith. God wants us to have opportunity to better understand what's going on in our life. So Bartimaeus had to vocalize it. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You see, in that working out and proclaiming their faith, something happened inside them and they changed. It wasn't for Jesus' benefit. It was for their benefit. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, my rabbi. My rabbi. First time you ever met Jesus. My rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus gave him his sight. What about you and me? What do we want Jesus to do for us? He wants to do great things in our life. And I personally, I have to admit that I lose sight of that. When life is difficult and things aren't going the way they want, I often lose sight of that. But Jesus wants to do great things in our life. Let the world know, I am a follower of Jesus. Take a step of faith and commitment. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been coming to real life for a while and you have never been baptized. It's a step of faith. It's a public proclamation of your trust in Jesus. It's an encouragement for the body. Maybe you've not partnered with real life. There's benefit in partnering in a, in a more official way than just coming on Sunday mornings. Because when you partner with a group of folks like this, the church makes certain promises to you and you make certain promises to the church and we become stronger. Or maybe that step of faith is for you to serve. Serve in some area. God is calling you to serve. Every person in this room has a gift. You've heard every preacher in the world say, every one of you has a gift. Use it to serve the family of God. Eugene Peterson said this, your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. 
In other words, when we go through the waters of baptism, it's the end of the old way of life and the beginning of a new way of life in Jesus. So proclaim your faith. Let the world know you're a follower of Jesus. And as we proclaim our faith and come, and come closer into, in tune with our faith, God will present to us opportunities. And we need to seize those opportunities. Fourthly, when we want a fresh start or new start, we need to receive God's gift. Jesus said to, to him, go for your faith has healed you instantly the man could see. We have to receive that gift. For Bartimaeus, the gift was physical sight, yes, but ultimately, more importantly, it was salvation. It's because it says he got up and he followed after Jesus. We don't know anything else about the rest of his story other than he had spent his life sitting beside the road blind and begging, and now he was up, he was rejoicing, and he followed Jesus down the road. And who knows where Bartimaeus went and what his life ended up being. But I'm certainly better than sitting by the road and begging. So regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we've done or said, regardless of what someone else has done to us or said about us, God will give us a new start. No matter what's happened, God will give us a new start. In Ephesians 2, we know this passage, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So our new start in life is a gift from God. We can't buy it. We can't perform religious rituals to earn it. You know, here's the interesting thing about Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus knew he was blind. Nobody had to say to him, by the way, Bartimaeus, you did you notice you're blind? Did they? Bartimaeus knew he was blind. But you know, there's something worse than physical blindness. There is something worse than physical blindness, and that's spiritual blindness. To not know the one who created us, the one who will redeem us and will sustain us. You see, physical blindness only lasts as long as our earthly existence, but spiritual blindness can move on into eternity. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Some will do that now. They will seize the moment when it's presented and there will be those who will bow the knee and recognize it's too late and they made the greatest mistake they could ever make in their life. So receive God's gift by grace through faith. Receive the gift but then recognize God has something for each and every one of us to do. Paul says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So I don't do good works to get God to love me. I do good works because I know God 
loves me. And God has great things for us to do. He really does. God has great things for Real Life Church to do. And Corey and I get together quite often, and we have coffee, and we, t- we talk and, and, and discuss a, a whole variety of issues. And, and, you know, and sometimes we're sitting there talking, and I think, you know, I wonder what God thinks of our conversation. Because God has great things for real life. And as I've been a, a small part of this journey along the way, I'm recognizing that God has great things for real life to do. And Corey and I have come to the recognition that our, in, our entire conversation is prayer to God. I said to him one time, you know, we don't pray when we get together. And both of us mutually recognize that our whole conversation is prayer to the Lord. And I know God has great things in store for real life. So my word is don't give up. Seize the opportunity as they come. So God has great things for all of us to do. He wants us to serve in the kingdom. Where can you serve? Who can you serve? How can you serve? Look for those opportunities and seize them. My last, step, my last point is this. Take the next step. Take the next step. What is God's will? That's a question we often ask. What is God's will? I often tell people my definition of God's will is to do the next right thing. Whatever that is. I mean, I, oftentimes I can't see very far down the road, but I can see the next right thing in front of me. So the next step for some of us in this room would be to become a follower of Jesus. The next step for some would to follow Jesus' command to be baptized. The next step for some would to become a partner with real life. But for all of us, The next step is to use our gifts to encourage the body and to serve the kingdom. For Bartimaeus, instantly he could see, and he jumped up and he followed Jesus down the road. And I think about it this way. He went from blindly sitting by the road to joyfully following Jesus down the road, not knowing what the future held, but seizing the moment that God had given him. So we have two options. Two options this morning. We can sit beside the road and beg, or we can follow Jesus on the road. Those are the two options. There's nothing in between. Which one do you want to describe your life? Do you want to be sitting beside the road? or following Jesus down the road. You see, Jesus is passing by right now. And there's only one way to follow him, and that's to take the next step. One step at a time. Don't worry about the fifth step, or the tenth step, or the twentieth step. Just the next step. And God will see you through. 
I encourage you, look for a new start, seize the moment, and let God work in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. I thank you again this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word will not go forth and return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you've sent it. And I pray for real life right now, Lord. I know there are many things in the works, and we pray for the building, and we pray for uh, all of the activities and the work that goes on here and the lives that are changed, and pray a mighty blessing upon this group that gathers in this place. I just lift them to you, Lord. I know there's, you have great promise here. And I just look forward to all that you're going to do through this body in the city of El Dorado and the surrounding community. I give you thanks, Lord, that you love us. I give you thanks that you give us opportunities to respond to you. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us to be attuned to your leading in our lives. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.